Hey, best friend. Happy Sunday, fun day. I'm your host, Kimmy J, and this is the Opinionated and Melanated Podcast. It's the last day of Black History Month, so we got to make sure this one is blackity black, hence the title. So as always, I'm covering plenty of melanated topics, but with a twist. We're not veering off the blackened path this week, so if it's not crammed full of chocolatey goodness, you are not going to hear about it here. Just wait for next week. (laughs) So let's get started. First things first, let's check our voice messages. Hi, Kimmy. Okay, so I listened to this in two parts, one day yesterday and then today but anyway so i don't remember my comments or what i wanted to say for the first part but for the second part um i think that they should recast black panther the photograph is a bore and i like what you said about um cancel culture and how white people have been doing it for years and years i never thought about that that so that was a really good point and lastly the shade from Lori Harvey at the end was so hilarious. And I love your energy throughout the whole podcast. Yay! Can't wait to listen to the next one. Thank you so, so much, Jesse. I love that you don't agree with me on the Black Panther recast. I know I'm probably in the minority on this, but I just feel like it's too soon. He means too much of the culture and died too unexpectedly for us to not feel this loss and live with the weight of this loss. Plus, I didn't really mention it the last time, but I really feel like it kind of underestimates the vastness of our stories and creativity. It's like Black Panther as the leading man and in this film, um, in the branch of the franchise did extremely well, but it's like saying that's the only version of this world we'll ever get only T'Challa can lead. And that's, and that's all that's ever going to happen. Nothing can top it, but we forget Black Panther as a movie and T'Challa as a leading man carrying an entire film was laughable to Marvel and other movie studios for the better part of 20 years. Wesley Snipes and others tried and tried to make this film happen, but were denied. And aren't we grateful of how the stars align for Black Panther to fall into Ryan Coogler and Chadwick Boseman's hands for an incredible run from Captain America Civil War all the way to Avengers Endgame. Even though we wanted to see more, much more at that, Ryan and Chadwick told a full T'Challa story that we need to bask in and cherish. And call me naive or optimistic, but I truly believe there are more stars to align and more lightning to strike in Wakanda. Oh, and shout out to Ruth Carter for being the first costume designer to have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. She's the costume designer for Black Panther film, if you didn't know. Thanks again, best friend Jesse. I really appreciate your feedback and the fact that you utilize the anchor voice message feature. It truly makes these podcasts real, you know, and really I can have a conversation and it makes me feel less like I'm recording from a bunker in an undisclosed location. I know not everybody uses Anchor to listen, and that's totally fine by me. I just love that feature. And speaking of multiple streaming sources, insert hair flip, (laughs) the podcast is now available on Apple. I'm not sure when that exactly happened because Anchor usually is great about sending alerts when when my podcast becomes available on like a different platform, but this time I didn't get any alert, and the only way I knew was when I was checking my episode data, and it was like such and such percentage of your listeners were from Apple Podcasts. And I'm like, no, I am not even available on Apple yet. But when I saw the data, I went and searched my name again. And lo and behold, I checked and there was my mug cheesing away. So yay. So anyway, so if you're listening on Apple or through any other source other than Anchor, please feel free to send me messages or comments or questions any other way you can. I have an Insta and an email address for this podcast. So if you check the descriptions um, of my podcast episodes, the information should be there. So... And also send me like your questions whenever you can. Like I know um, 
uh, Jesse was saying that she forgot her previous questions because she split the podcast in half. Now, for me, I love an hour-long podcast because, like, I mean, I work from home now, but when I worked in the office, um, all I, I was on my computer all day long. I didn't, I didn't have to like see the public or deal with. I didn't have to talk to a lot of people. So I used to listen to music all the time, but then I got so you know like eight hours a day listening to music. I wanted conversation. I wanted interaction and podcast was that for me. So like I would get excited when I would see an hour long podcast because I wouldn't have to figure out what I'm going to listen to or keep skipping songs or find the next jam or what's popping. I could listen to a podcast and really engage. But, um, if you don't like the long format, um, of the hour long episode, like, um, stop it. And even in today's episode, I'm going to have a little intermission, which should be fun. Um, but stop and and send me a voice memo or text me or however you reach me and send me your comments because I don't want to miss out on your input. And I appreciate everyone for listening. And I like for anybody who listens, I really appreciate it. And what I really want to say is I want to be worth your time. Um, and I think that's what I, why I'm asking for so much um, engagement. It's not about like fame or whatever. Like I'm not going to get famous for doing this. I'm not going to make any money from doing it, but just because I want to be worth your time. I want this to be a valuable hour that you spend with me. And I want to do it as well as I can just to do it. Like I enjoy doing this. Um, so yeah, so let me know even if you prefer the short or long podcast. Like I said, for today, I wasn't going to make my Blackity Black episode the shortest one. That's not going to happen. That's not a thing. But in the future, I am willing to make 30-minute episodes if that if that feels more reasonable to you. But for this episode in particular, I am going to have a short intermission. <laughs> On a recent episode of the Amber Ruffin Show, which by the way, just get used to me talking about her a lot. I love her. I'm obsessed. Um, Anyways, on a recent episode, she decided for Black History Month to celebrate people from her own life that contributed to her um, that were black figures in her life that inspired her. And so she, you know, like she had her mom and dad, she had a doorman that always spoke in, a black doorman who always spoke encouraging words to her and things like that. So I decided to do the same in that spirit. And so I've chosen three people that I want to celebrate today. And the first one should be no surprise. It's my aunt Jan. Um, I can't think of black history. I can't think of black women. I can't think of feminism and politics or any of those things without thinking of my Aunt Jan. Um, And, you know, I've spoken many times about the integral role she played in my education and she she took a personal responsibility for my education and um and and what she spoke into my life and how she guided me through school and courses that I took and everything like that but i i also want to talk about um and what i want to celebrate her for in this moment cuz there's so many things and i will continue to celebrate her all the days of my life um but i want to talk about how she always treated me like an adult. <laughs> um, that might be one thing my mom doesn't like that I always thought I was grown, but I'm, but what I mean is she would have these conversations with me, um, and really engage with me in a way that adults don't engage with children. Um, and not in a way that, um, you know, like spilling tea and telling me gossip, not in those ways, but you know, she gave me the, the freedom to speak my mind and to dig deeper and dissect information and things like that. And a particular instance that comes to mind is, um, when I started, uh, going to a particular school, I, I had to get bust out of my area. Cause I started this like honors program thing when I was in um, elementary school. Shout out to Key. But anyways, so I wasn't, I was going to school that was not in my area. So she would drive me to my bus stop and she, I'd sit in her car and wait on the bus. And we'd have these like long conversations. And one day I was just like, you know what, Jen, like, I just really feel that we should as a, you know, society, and I don't know if I use the word society because I was clearly in third grade, but, um, I, I was just like, I wish we'd get rid of money. You know, everybody just do their part, do something that they're good at. And we all just share and, you know, just, 
um, communal living. Again, I don't know if I use the word communal, but that's what I was getting across. I was like, oh, if I bake bread and I'm really good at building chairs, like I'll give you a loaf of bread and you give me chairs for my house. And she's like, oh, you're a socialist. (laughs) And I, (laughs) and I mean, I laugh about it now, but like third, my third grade brain, like, you know, hearing that word in like hushed tones or you know, heated political debates on TV and it's spoken as, you know, you're being outed as a socialist. So it's like something terrible and bad and wrong. And I'm just like, no, I'm just saying we need to get rid of money and we all just share it. She's like, oh yeah, no, that's socialism. And, you know, so we started having a conversation about it and she continued to explain to me what it was and things like that. But, you know, like no, no adult was engaging with me like that. And she, you know, she didn't, Nothing was with with judgment, but it was in these conversations that I got to have, you know, very young. Like I remember, um, you know, I think I was in, I had to have been in like first or second grade um, during the 92 election. And I remember like asking my dad, like, who are you voting for? Like, it's important to me that I know who you're voting for. All that stuff came from conversations that I had with my Aunt Jan. And um, I love her for that, you know, and even in like the last years, um, the last days of her life, she told me something that she never told me before. She told me like how she looked up to me and what about me inspired her. And that was so shocking, you know, because she was my aunt Jen and I looked up to her and she guided me in so many ways. And, but when she said those things and I started thinking about our relationship over the years, how she always, like I said, treated me like I was an adult and she, she celebrated your freedom to think on your own and to speak your mind. And she valued my opinions. Like she would ask me things and I was like, you know, it was so shocking in these moments on her deathbed that she would say that I inspired her. But when I started to think over my, our life together, you know, that's, that's what she did. She really was value. You know, when she would ask me questions, she really was valuing my opinions and my thoughts and my input. And I was thinking about it today. I'm like, you know, in the black community and especially as a black woman, um, you don't see your elders giving you that respect, um, like that. And I thought about that because, you know, being an oppressed population and intersectionally um, oppressed, you know, children were the one thing that many black women had rule over and they ruled, you know, and the, and they, they kept that position of, they wanted that respect. They wanted Miss Deborah, Miss Brenda, you, you know, and it's not, it's no shade to them. They wanted somebody, you know, they had to have somebody to feel like, you know, that they had rule over, like, you're going to respect me. I have to, you know, I clean that white lady's house all day and have to call her daughter, Miss Sally, but you're going to respect me when I come home, you know, like that kind of thing. But Aunt Jen was never like that. She celebrated, um, even children's autonomy and their, their free thinking and their right to decide for themselves and have opinions, even if they differed from their own. So I want to celebrate her for that. Um, And secondly, my second person I want to celebrate is my cousin Patrick, Patrick Fortson. And he is, you know, like when you think of him, he's such a talented singer and a lot, you know, lots of people know him for his singing. He's been on The Voice. He's been on uh, Sunday's Best. He's also been on American Idol, um, has an amazing, gorgeous, beautiful voice. And, but I always try to let him know, like when we have our serious conversations, which is few and far between because <laughs> we just like being silly, but that's not why I love him. That's not why he's special to me. I love his voice. His voice still gives me chills. He, I'm still in awe of what he's able to do with his voice, but I love him for just existing. He's one of the funniest people that I've ever met. And, you know, you have to, uh, we're very introverted. You have to get us in our spots and in our comfortability to see it. But I mean, he's hilarious. And what I love about him also is even though we're both introverts, he draws people to him. He is so much fun. People want to be around him. They want to hear what he has to say. They'll sit around him for hours. I know even people that 
felt like they didn't like him or came into it shading him or being jealous of his talent. If they sit and have a meal with them five minutes into it, they're laughing, laughing their heads off in his face, questioning him, wanting to hear his stories. He is the ultimate joy and um, such a wonderful person to be around. And I think about those um, days in my freshman years of college when I first came to Indianapolis. And we used to do this thing that um, back in the day, I was going to say pre-COVID, but pre-everything, this is back in the day for real, we would like hang out after church. And it wasn't about like which clique you, you were a part of. It was just like, hey, who's hungry? We're all going to Steak and Shake. We're all going to Denny's. We're all going to whatever 24-hour place. And we'd just go hang out. And he would be laughing. He'd crack, make the waitress crack up. Everybody's laughing at the table. He can get away with saying the most shadiest. <laughs> he can reach you for filth and you'll love him even more for it. Like, that's how funny he is. But what I thought about was I am, I've never been the type to draw people to me. And, but he never, um, oh, don't get emotional. I can't cry every single episode. You guys are going to check out. Um, he never made me feel like I was um, an anchor for him. He never made me feel like, uh, I have, well, I got to bring my lame cousin or whatever. Like I always felt apart. I always felt welcome. I always felt like he wanted me there. I never felt awkward. And there are people that I knew before I even met him, but I never was invited to their house or to their dinner parties or to hang out until I was with Patrick. And some of them after he was gone, that's when it ended. But <laughs> You know, I never went over since, but in that moment, I, with him, I never felt unwelcome and I love him for always, um, making me feel, making me feel welcome. Cause I, I don't feel welcome any places. Um, but I love Patrick for that. And he is the most lovable, funny, warm, incredible person, human being, unicorn you will ever meet. <laughs> Okay, so if if it sounds a little different, um, if you notice a difference in the sound quality, I had to take a little break and get my composure. Um, I'm really shocked. Um, I'm not shocked, but I'm also shocked that I cried. I'm a big crybaby. But anyways, the third person I want to celebrate is my first ever academic advisor, Dr. Ch Terry Jett at Butler University. Um, she is incredible and has been the epitome of goals for me ever since I met her when I was a freshman at Butler in 2003. Um, she is, um, she's so amazing. Like I'm stuck, I'm stammering to, um, to, um, really put it into words and even saying her name. I feel like I'm a freshman all over again. I'm like, Oh, I'm nervous. What if she hears that? She's not going to hear my little puck. <laughs> so I'm just going to talk, um, to come from Kokomo and not have experienced many or if any black teachers at this moment, I don't, I don't think I'd had a black teacher yet. Um, Dr. Terry Jett, being a young black woman, a scholar, so unapologetically black, so cultured and tra takes trips to Africa routinely, um, takes students on trips to Africa to do, not just to see the sights and take pictures with starving children, but to do the work. And she's so engrossed in the work, um, was incredible for me. I was so in awe of her. Um, when I left Butler, one of the, that was a really hard decision to make. And one of the things that, um, made it so hard was I did not want to leave her guidance, um, and her teaching because she was just so incredible to me to walk into her office and to see her achievements and her awards and her collection of amazing literature and all these the this black culture all over the walls and all these artifacts and and things from her trips and her travels i her office was like another world to me and it felt like the epitome of goals i remember like looking up you know her educational background to see what 
road do I get to be able to teach black political thought like Dr. Terry Jett? Um, she was not only my intro to politics um, professor, like I said, the, the, my freshman year, but she was also my academic advisor the entire time I was there. Um, she was just so amazing. In the face of some really racist, bigoted um, I call them children. Um, I have a hard time calling college students children. Um, but students would say the most ignorant things in her classes and in her presence. And I'd be like, do you not see this black excellence right here? But you're talking about, well, the only black people I ever saw are on the news and they're always hurting people. Like this, this is a real comment. This isn't, this isn't something I'm making up. A real person said this in class. A real woman said this in class. Um, all I ever see is black people on the news and they're always hurting people. So what am I supposed to think? Um, <laughs> oh, I got Butler stories for days, but I'm going to, um, I'm just going to end with this one. Well, it's a two-parter. Um, well, so like I said, Dr. Jet was extremely busy. She w was doing her thing on campus in the community and around the world, literally. And I remember like, I just felt so small. And one day I was waiting for her and she was like running late for our meeting. And so I'm sitting in the waiting area and I think like the receptionist or something was there. And I was just like, she always forgets about me or something like that. And I did not know she had walked in. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. She was like, actually, I didn't forget about you. I had this and this and this to do. And I'm here now. So let's get to work or whatever. And we walked into her office. And I just totally just swallowed my whole foot and just kept right on going. And she didn't stay there. She didn't keep an attitude with me. She checked me and we went on about our business and did the work that we needed to do. But I love her for that. I mean, she was just amazing. Um, but one story in particular that I was I was so fortunate to meet up with her um, in 2019 and get to tell her just a snippet. I didn't, we didn't have like a long heart to heart. I, I don't think I could have even, I don't think my heart could have handled that right then. But I had to, to tell her about this instance that sticks with me and that I share and has meant so much to me. Um, you know, and I'm sure many campuses, it's taken on many mantras over the years, but back at Butler in 20, in 20, we don't say 20, 2003, <laughs> it was like 2003, I don't say that, 2003, um, there were these uh, campus mandated, uh, you know, official camp campus stickers that you could have, um, that faculty and staff could have, and to qualify, and I think there was a training required or something, but to qualify as a safe space, um, in particular for LGBTQ community, and it would it had a rainbow pyramid on it, I believe, or a flag of some sort. And she, um, not only was she unapolog unapologetically black, she lived on campus with her two young children, and she not she lived in my dorm actually my freshman year. And, you know, she had like a, of course, like a big suite on the first floor. It wasn't like where the other girls are, but she had her own, um, you know, like suite inside our dorm and her, she had that sticker on her door that she was a safe space. And, um, you know, so that let people know that if they were facing any abuse or any, anything that they could come to her if they were wanted to come out like any any part of their journey they could come to her and there were many all over campus but some bigots came into our dorm and set her door on fire and like i said she had, was raising two small children her, her son and daughter in that in that in that dorm where she lived they set her door on fire and, you know, thankfully nobody was hurt. I remember when we all had to leave out, we didn't know what was going on, what, where the fire, what was happening, but it ended up being that some boys, I believe some men, um, on campus, um, set her door on fire for being a safe space. And I remember like Dr. Jet, I never, you never saw emotion from her. She was just spitting facts, spitting truth, sharing knowledge. She, you know, she would laugh and stuff like that, but you didn't see like big fluctuations in emotion. But I remember that day when she came and spoke to our class 
after that fire. So, you know, like I said, she was my professor, she was my advisor, and she lived in my dorm. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I got to see her in many different capacities. But after that fire, and she came to class and she spoke, and the only way you could tell that it shook her at all was just small breaks or crackle in her voice. But she spoke so eloquently to our class, you know, and at that moment, we didn't know which young men um, among the campus um, had set the fire. We don't, and because we lived in a girl's dorm, you know, he, there most likely were girls who let them in and cooperated with this. And she spoke so unapologetically and was, you know, like, this does not, you know, you could have hurt my babies and you know, I want you to know and feel the weight of the threat that you placed on me, but it will not stop me from doing the work that I am here to do. And just the empowerment and strength in her that, that, that was so inspiring and moving and encouraging to me that has stuck with me all this time. Um, I was a freshman then. I'm 36 right now. And that's, and it still makes me emotional. It still inspires me. And I'm still sharing that story. And she is so deeply ingrained, even though we don't have a deep um, relationship and she doesn't know me super well. I want to, I want to put out into the universe just how much I celebrate her, just how much I am inspired by her. Just even when I left Butler, I was still looking her up, still seeing what she's doing in the community and sharing information about elections and um, doing PBS specials. Like she is that woman like, and oh, how we came across each other in 2019 was at an AKA event. I was 2019 years old when I realized that Dr. Terry Jett is an AKA. Um, so amazing. Like she's so low key. Like she's just out here shining, doing her thing. And she does not, she does not put on any, you know what I mean? Like she doesn't put on any airs about anything. She's in the trenches doing the work. And that's how I, like, I was literally so shook <laughs> when I looked and I was like, that that's Dr. Jet. That's Dr. Jet. Like I hadn't seen her in over 10 years. Um, so amazing. Th those are my black um those are my black figures that I want to celebrate that contributed to my black history. Um, yeah, I'll just leave it there. I love them all so so much. You look at me like I'm unfamiliar. Never knew that you like them thick. Mm, I've been carrying this weight in the world beneath these braids, and I'm confused. Would you take the pain that came with all the parts you wanna claim for you? You want my thighs, you want my stride, but not this melanin. enjoyed your intermission that was Danielle Brooks and that song was Black Woman. So next I want to um, celebrate some young queens by a little segment I want to call There You Glow Girl. <laughs> I so just made that up. But I want to celebrate some young black excellence um, on this Blackity Black podcast. And first, I want to celebrate Naomi Osaka. She's only 23 years old, and she has just won her fourth Grand Slams title by winning the Australian Open. So yay, claps for her. And she, of course, I'm sure you guys are very familiar with her. She has been 
killing it in the tennis world and done it beautifully and unapologetically black and um always she was the one if you if you don't if you're not big on sports like I'm not but I do know like she was wearing the face mask with the different um men and women who have been killed by police violence um she's had a Floyd mask she's had a Breonna Taylor um and she's used her her, her skills and her platform to the world to um, highlight those issues. And you have to stand that. You have to celebrate a young black queen doing her thing. And the second one I want to celebrate, who just this week has been um, even busier on social media than she already has. And But I, mind you, I did not know that she was going to be featured on people's podcasts and stuff just this week. But I decided to look her up myself because, and I'm I'm purposely delaying giving the name, but I've been watching her reels and these memes, these hilarious like little videos and clips that have come up with her voice and her image, but it seemed like it was always another account. Like I didn't know who the person, the original person was making it. So I don't know why this week in particular, I was just like, I'm going to look it up. And I mean, there's a whole movement around site black women and um, you, you should look it up. They have um, social media accounts. They have scholars working on this issue of, of black women in particular, their, their causes, their platforms, um, their theories being spread across the world without them getting credit and knowing where it came from. Um, like that's a really big thing in the black community. And I've been like, I, you know, ever since writing my thesis, I feel like I've been more engaged in that work or interested in that. But for, I, it took me until this week to look her up and to know who she is, but her name is Elsa Majimbo and she was just featured on Lovey's podcast. And if you know me, best friend, you should um, know that I love Lovey. I'm interested in her work and what she does. And she was just, and like, after I looked her up and started following her, then because I knew who she, you know, who it was now, I saw that she was featured on Lovey's podcast this week and stuff like that. And she was already on my outline to talk about. And I thought, I don't want to seem inauthentic. Like I'm just doing this because Lovey did it, you know, because like I said, because I follow her, but I just found out. It was just like all this big snowball. But anyways, she makes these funny memes, but she just landed her first cover um, of a magazine and she looks flawless on it. She is a, she is a, um, a chess prodigy actually she's only 19 years old she has made so much money through chess like that's what she um that's her skill and her talent she was just featured on teen vogue and if you're not if you it's still not ringing any bells who i'm talking about i'm gonna play um I'm going to play some of her reels that are super funny that I share and DM people all the time because she, she's hilarious. But anyways, here's a couple of them. Spend your money. Then what is it for? <laughs> Being broke teaches you how to behave in a crisis. It's called life skills. <laughs> Having $5 but meeting people for lunch. That's called bravery. <laughs> <laughs> so she's super hilarious. I'm sure if from hearing those, you're familiar with who uh, I'm talking about. But just this week also, like I said, since I've started following her now, I know so much more information. Um, but she just created this phone a number for people to text and call her. She's like, so we can build a whole network of best friends, which is so cute. And I'm like, that's what I've been doing and calling people who listen to me, my best friends and talking to you as if we're right in the room together as best friends. I love that. So I'm going to give you her number, text her. Like, this is so awesome that she's doing this. Her number is 310-359-0562. Zero five six two, and it's in her bio if you go follow her on Instagram. So shout out to those dope queens, and we're here for it. So yay! So if you don't know what that sound was, that was sipping of tea, and it wasn't me, by the way. It was just sound effects. So don't think I'm over here slurping. But I just had to share this little bit of uh, boiling hot tea. If you woke up to Lionel Richie trending a couple days ago. And if you love him as much as I do, 
um, if your heart dropped, because normally when an older celebrity um, like that is trending out of the blue, it means something bad happened to them. But um, Lionel is out here doing his thing and he's dating a 30-year-old woman and Lionel Richie is 71 years old. So people were tripping hard. And if you remember, his um, daughter uh, uh, was dating, um, oh man, what's his name? Scott Disick, um, Courtney Kardashian's old uh, boo. And, you know, and she's much, much younger than him. And so it was like a huge scandal with that, um, with age. And Lionel didn't trip off that. So it's like, oh, we see you, Lionel. Like, he wasn't tripping when your daughter was dating Scott Disick because you're out here with a woman um, (laughs) so much younger than you, like literally 40 years younger than you. Um, So that's hilarious. That's crazy. And I was glad that Lionel is in good health. He's doing better than good. (laughs) And there was like so many people, so many comments trending. But one of the funniest ones that I saw, it was like, you mean to tell me that um, I don't need to be tripping over love, that I can find love with one of my granddaughter's friends? (laughs) That one got me. But yeah, just a little tea for y'all. As we continue to keep it chocolatey, I'm going to hit you with some black nerd news. So last week I discussed Monica Rambeau and her transition um, in her power level in last week's episode of WandaVision. So I just wanted to do a little deeper dive with that because I looked up some things about her power level. So This is Monica Rambeau's um, origin story as far as the MCU. But in the comic books, Monica Rambeau was actually the first female iteration of Captain Marvel. Um, It was not the, you know, the blonde woman Captain Marvel. It was Monica Rambeau. Um, So that was interesting to know. And um, so we know that she's passed back and forth in this MCU version of Monica Rambeau, she has passed back and forth between the hex, and each time it is um, it is reimagining and reconfiguring her molecular structure. So um, the reason she is warned not to go back through the hex is because they don't know if it's killing her, they you know, or what. But we now see that it's not killing her; it's actually um, in, in body, she's being endowing her with powers. So we see when she passes back through the hex, the final time, um, her eyes are blue, she's flying, um, but she doesn't get to have combat. She tries Wanda, but, um, Agatha Harkness blocks her and says, oh, uh, she's, she's, uh, Wanda's had enough. So we don't get to, uh, we don't get to see what's about to happen. And mind you, I'm recording this before Friday's episode. So I looked up some things about Monica Rambo's powers. Her power levels are said to be on the God tier level. So she can control many different forms of energy, including gamma rays, which I find extremely interesting because of um, how much gamma rays are used uh, in throughout the Marvel universe, but especially we know that there is going to be a She-Hulk, and you know Hulk's powers are come from gamma rays and all of that. So I think that we are going to get to see her manipulate and control gamma rays definitely within her time in the MCU. So we know um, that that Monica Rambo is going to be in the second Captain Marvel movie. So she was a kid in the 90s in the first Captain Marvel movie, but the next one she will be um, still played by Tayana Paris. And so, uh, you know, I'm excited to see where they take this character. She could do so much. So say she has God-tier level powers. I need to see all her tea. Like, I'm so excited. And, like, I got really nervous when she passed back through the hex and her eyes were blue, you know, being this black woman and, you know, I, you know, th- you think of all the different things about us that, um, 
you know, yeah, I think of the bluest eye and different things like that where black women hate themselves. I'm like, please don't let her eyes stay blue. So I was so glad when, you know, her eyes lit up to show that she has powers, but they turned back brown. I, I was like really relieved. I don't know if anybody else felt that way, but I was like, I don't want them to make it like she's powerful. So she has blue eyes. I don't, I don't know if you guys, you know, see those like negative connotations and layers. I don't know if it's just me. Um, let me know how you feel about that. But I'm glad that her do eyes do turn back brown. But I wanted to also highlight the actress, Tayana Paris, because she's really excited about her role. I saw a little clip of her speaking about what this means um, to be this powerful black woman a superhero in this in this MCU world. And, you know, she was so energetic and excited about it. And, um, and... I just wanted to look her up and all the other things that she's involved with because there was many I didn't know. I'm not a Mad Men fan. I did not know that sh that's where she got her mainstream attention and stardom was from Mad Men. Um, she also went on to star in the independent film Dear White People, not to be confused with the Netflix original series. She's was in the indie film that that um, you know, inspired the Netflix series. So I've never even seen the original Dear White People film. I've only watched the Netflix one, which I love the Netflix one, but that makes me even more motivated to see the original film. She was also in Chirac, which I haven't seen that. And I know I have access to that on streaming service. I've seen it, um, suggest it to me. I got to get up on this, but here's some new tea. She will appear later this year in the, um, new version of Candyman starring the beautiful Yahya Abdul Mateen II. So that's really interesting. And that's, um, something I'll be looking forward to. I hope it's not too scary that I can handle it. I think his beauty will calm down my fear. <laughs> Anyways, some other Black Nerd news. Do you guys know Black Lightning is back? Season four is underway. It's not available on Netflix yet, but here, here's the here's the good thing though. It is available for streaming on the CW app, and the CW app is completely free. And it, um, you know, since the CW is a regular network show, um, channel, the episodes of Black Lightning that appear on CW on, I think it's on Tuesday, they are available on Wednesday on the CW app, which is awesome. So I've been keeping up. I'm current with this new season. I'm really excited. I'm very sad that China, um, who is one of the stars of Black Knight Lightning, she already let the cat out of the bag that she will only be in the first four episodes of this season. And we've already seen two episodes. So I, I like keep counting them down. I'm like, we only have two more left with China. Um, she's really, she's the po most powerful being on the show and she's leaving. So that really breaks my heart, but I want to see where they take this final season of black lightning. Um, so yeah. So if you are into black lightning, know that you can see it now for free. Even if you don't have cable like me, I don't have cable, but check it out. So yeah, a little nerd news for y'all. Hey, best friend. So if you saw that Elijah McClain was trending or featured in several news stories this week, it, just in case you didn't get a chance to read them, or maybe this is the first time hearing his name and you don't know um, what it's all about, I just wanted to shed a little light on that. So um, he was, his name has been um, mentioned in the news a lot lately because um in Aurora, Colorado, where he was murdered, they've been doing an independent investigation into his death. And this week, they vocalized that their preliminary findings are that the police and the paramedics um, were to blame for his death, which if you know how he died, um, you're, that's not surprising, but it, what is surprising and very good is that they are looking into this. They are, um, they are, the city of Aurora is, um, putting together its own independent, um, police monitor to get to the bottom of this and get justice for his family. Um, and I, um, I, I want to share his story with you just in case you don't know it. Um, first of all, he was murdered in 2019, but his story really came to light in 2020 um, when people started to know and started to talk about and discuss, um, 
you know, these police killings, especially in, you know, the biggest movement of um, our lifetime and the biggest civil rights movement in existence, Black Lives Matter, and um, all of the, you know, um, attention that was brought to it last year, his case was rediscussed and discussed openly where, you know, he didn't, he didn't garner, um, nationwide attention when he first died, but he did gain a, a lot of attention last year. And that's when his case came to my understanding. And, um, and that's when I started to know more about him and try to support and, um, give to his cause and things like that. But I want to share his story just in case you don't know. Um, it's very heartbreaking. This is, could be a little triggering, um, but I, it's worth discussing. And I hope that he, um, that the city of Aurora is able to give his family justice. Um, it is well-deserved. And I would uh, be remiss if I didn't mention that today that I'm recording this, um, February 25th, is actually his birthday and he would have been 25 today. Um, so yeah, so let me just, uh, share with you his story. So on the evening of August 24th, 2019, Elijah McLean was walking home from his local convenience store. Elijah routinely wore a mask when he was outside because he had anemia and became cold very easily. A passer, a passerby noticed Elijah wearing a ski mask and flailing his arms and listening to music, um, in AirPods. Um, they called 911, although they told the dispatcher that they didn't believe anyone was in danger. When the officers arrived, they tried to stop Elijah and he continued walking and said, I have a right to go where I'm going. When an officer touched him, Elijah said, I'm going home, leave me alone and let me go. No, let me go. I am an introvert. Please respect my boundaries. A struggle escalated and three officers wrangled Elijah who weighed 140 pounds towards a lawn and threw him against a wall, then tackled him to the ground. One of the officers applied a carotid control hold around Elijah's neck while Elijah cried and pleaded. Ouch, that really hurts, he said. I'm so sorry. I don't have a gun. I don't do that stuff. At one point, an officer spotted another officer's body camera, pointed at Elijah and said, move your camera, dude. Elijah was handcuffed. Then medics injected him with ketamine to sedate him, a dose appropriate for a much larger uh, man than Elijah was. McLean suffered two heart attacks while he was taken to the hospital. He was pronounced brain dead on August 30th, 2019. He was 23 years old. None of the officers or medics present at the scene were charged. <clears throat> and so his story really, uh, it's just, it's really heartbreaking. And to know a little about him, um, and to see videos and I, I encourage you to look him up because he, he was a very delicate, um, young man. And, um, he, he may have been on the spectrum, but you could tell that, um, he was very, uh, docile and, um, and I know that those, those movements, um, and the grabbing of him and stuff probably really triggered him. And, and that little story, the little quick story that I, it was actually a story, uh, the short story of his, um, altercation and, um, eventual murder, uh, with the, pol um, by the police. Um, it was just, it was very short, but some of the other information that I read, I, you know, he he even was like begging and telling them like, I love people. I love you. I don't mean to, I, I wouldn't cause anybody any harm. I don't hurt people. You know, he was trying to, um, in those brief moments before they took his life, you know, trying to share with them like who he is and see him as a, a human being and know a little bit about him and not his, um, and not see him as a threat. And so if you ever see, um, Sometimes people have the drawings of the, um, of a black boy playing the violin because he played the violin and it'll say justice for Elijah. That's a little bit about Elijah. I encourage you to look into his case and any way that you can support, um, and see and 
any ways that we can get justice for his family and people be held responsible for what they did to him, I think that'd be a really good thing. All right, best friends, it's time for a word. What I didn't realize when I chose the three figures to celebrate in my personal black history that I understand now after processing their stories and each of their contributions to my life is that just like that sticker on Dr. Jet's door, they all represent my safe space, which inspires the word I have for you today. Be someone's safe space. Whether it's a friend who has big dreams and you just need to let them know that you'll be a soundboard as they flush out the details without telling them that their goals are too unrealistic. Or maybe there's a teen in your life that you suspect is being bullied because you see their childlike boldness and the sparkle of their individuality fading away into a preteen slash teenage reclusiveness. Don't take it as a bad attitude, but be a listening ear and reaffirm them. If there's a loved one in your life that you sense may be struggling with their identity or sexual orientation, don't out them or project your own convictions onto them, but signal them to let them know that your love for them and their place in your life won't change no matter what. Stop telling someone that they're weird, especially in the black community. We hate when those outside of our community try to pigeonhole us into only one way of existing, but we're quick to force the monolith agenda amongst ourselves. What you call playful teasing could be isolating someone you love. You made fun of your little sister for the same things you love in Issa Rae. You alienated that black boy in high school for the same energy you celebrate in Donald Glover. Y'all stand the key Stanfield for the exact same things you bullied your neighbor for wearing and doing. We are not a monolith. Let's protect each other's sparkle at all costs. And with that, I'm going to bring this blackity black episode to a close. We are officially best friends. Call me every five minutes. Bye. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmony. Of liberty, let all rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let us march on to victory is won.